for my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. You don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 354 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. Oh, buddy. Do we have an episode of Obi-Wan to talk about tonight? Oh, my goodness. Jeez. It had no business going as hard as it did. Right. It was so good. It was. And I can't wait to talk about it with you. Um, Me too. And I can't wait to hear what her friends have to say about it when we uh, catch up with them in the voicemails and emails segment. Before we jump into all that, though, follow us on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at Blue Harvest Pod. And if you really enjoy the show, check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast, where you get access to a whole bunch of bonus episodes, um, including immediate reactions that I've been doing to Obi-Wan and episodes of Hall's Calls with our buddy Steel talking about Obi-Wan and Rogue Two with our buddy Johnny and just so many other shows all conveniently placed on the exclusive feed at patreon.com slash Blue Harvest Podcast. Big shout out to the patrons. You guys, you're the best. You know that though. So... Buddy, I I don't even know what else to say. Then I guess we should just jump into it. What did you think of this episode? I thought it was amazing. I thought it was poetic. I thought it was emotional. Um, a, a, an excellent capstone to the end of the series. Yeah, man. Like... I know it might not have been every Star Wars fan's cup of tea, but nothing is ever going to be. But for me personally, I love this show, man. Mm -hmm. I just love it start to finish. Was it, you know, 100% perfect and strong every moment? Nah. But as a whole, the six episodes together telling that story... 
I. It's incredible. It hit a lot of notes for me, man. It hit a lot of stuff. And this last episode particularly really got me, really got me in a couple of parts. For me to actually shed tears in a Star Wars, that's that's impressive, in my opinion. Well, I would like to say that that's not something that happens to me very often, but boy, it, it is. <laughs> boy, all it takes is hearing fucking binary sunset or Leia's theme or something. And mm-hmm. Shoo. It's off to the races, my dude. Um, dude, the theme that played in the final Rise of Skywalker trailer, does that play anywhere in the actual Rise of Skywalker movie? Do you know what I'm talking about? The super emotional major chord? Yeah, it, they used that same thing for several of the sequel trilogy trailers, and I think it was like a a piece of marketing music. I don't recall. Because it's... I can't find it within any of the movie score. No, I can't either. And look, I'm no fucking David Collins or Eric Struthers with this kind of stuff, but I think it was just something they put together for the trailers, and I'll be damned if it's not effective. If it is not effective. I'm amazed that that isn't in the movie at like the final resolution, you know, the final Mm -hmm. build, the final climax, because that is an incredible little piece there. I I know this is way off topic, but... I only say that because within the last week, I found myself trying to find what that piece of music was called, where it was in Rise of Skywalker. I assume, you know, I listened to several pieces. I'd assumed it was the finale suite or, you know, the the, the final Mm -hmm. showdown. Or I listened to most of that damn soundtrack and could not find that piece. So I just eventually came to the assumption that they just made it for the trailer. You know, it was Mm -hmm. was Mac manufactured for the trailer. Uh. Shout outs to the score in Obi-Wan as well. Oh my goodness. I think the, you know, the scores they did for Book of Boba Fett and the Mandalorian are real fucking cool and alien sounding and like Mm -hmm. a new take on a a Star Wars score, but they went the perfect fucking route for this one. I was about to say the Mandalorian slaps, right? Mm -hmm. And Book of Boba Fett, they got that thump, like, Mm -hmm. But this is is something a little more elegant, mm-hmm. you know, from an era a little more refined, if you will, mm-hmm. from a more uh, civilized defini- era. Right, definitely able to evoke the emotion. Like yeah. I'm talking about, you know, drama and emotion is, you know, I, so much is dependent on the score and in the right spots. Like it really hit it out of the park on this one. Um, the the score at uh, towards the end on Alderaan and the scene with Obi Wan and Leia, mm-hmm. sure. Um, that's the one that got me. That's mm-hmm. the one where actual tears happen. We can cry, we can talk about it when we get there. Yeah. but that's the point. So the first thing I kind of want to call out and talk about is how fucking cool the Star Destroyer looked in those right. opening scenes, like. They, the folks over there at uh, Lucasfilm slash ILM know how to do a fucking Star Destroyer. Like the Star Destroyer shit in Rogue One and then this, like that classic original trilogy Star Destroyer chasing that ship. And I don't know, man. Like I know more than likely it wasn't, but it looked like a model. It looked like... Mm. Mm-hmm. era appropriate or something it was so it was cool. kind of how the light was hitting the mm-hmm. pale white grayness of mm-hmm. something about that effect made it like you said 
was reminiscent of that model effect. You know, the scale was appropriate. Maybe it was the lighting or something. Mm -hmm. But it was, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like uh, the scene in the the ship where Obi-Wan, like we kind of called it last week, like because it made a lot of sense. Like not that we're some like Star Wars geniuses or anything, but we... It seemed, we are simply students of cinema. Uh, well, you may be able to call yourself that, but I'm a student of Star Wars. I don't have, you know, a cinematic knowledge. I just... I disagree. But as, anyway. As these stories go, it becomes a little easier for me to put the pieces together. You know, I was mm-hmm. I was pretty good at predicting stuff and lost back in the day, too. Just Indeed. from, you know, following the clues and and how the pieces went together. So, you know, Obi-Wan's plan, he's going to take the drop ship and distract Vader so the rest of them can get away. And, uh, like, the scene where Leia gets upset with him and is like, you told me you wouldn't leave me, you told me you'd take me home, and all that stuff was so rough, man. And, Mm -hmm. like, I like the character of Roken so much i think he is such a cool fucking character and when obi-wan is about to leave and he's like you know essentially he tells him like keep doing what you're doing and he's like oh i'm just getting started boom new show minted right there yeah honestly i could see several of the characters from this show showing up and stuff later you know right i sure as shit hope so um it's you got what you got ten year old Luke and Leia. You got another nine or ten years, you know, nine years give or take half a year, whatever, um, that you could tell stories worth of Roken, you know. Yeah, and his crew. Well, I mean, Roken could or be Riva. Roken could be around for the original trilogy too. Just because we don't see him doesn't mean he wasn't, you know, still working. There's with a whole the rebellion yeah. with the folks working behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, I I don't know, man. I think there's a good chance that he shows up in something later. And we were talking about it this week. Like, I'm n- I don't think it would happen because I don't know how much the creative teams of the two different shows sort of interfaced and talked about what was going on. But right. like, he could show up in Andor conceivably, right? Right. I don't right. think it'll be in the first season, but that second season. It could happen. It could happen. You know, yeah, he could be in both. I mean, I would be stoked. It would be. It would blow my mind if he showed up in Andor as well. Just because sometimes when there's these separate Star Wars projects going on, it doesn't seem like they interface with each other a whole lot. And sometimes, and and a lot of times, that's just fine because they take place in different eras of the timeline, right? Mm-hmm. But with Obi Wan taking place. Shit, what, like, uh, I don't know, four years before Andor starts or something? If Andor starts off five years before Rogue One and Rogue One leads right into A New Hope. Right. um, It'd be real cool to see him show up. Um, And then, like, the scene where um, Leia and Obi-Wan talk and... 
she's like, um, Lola is helping cheer people up or whatever. And he's like, I could use some of that. And he gives her the holster and she's like, uh, there's no gun. And he's like, you're 10 years old. I yeah. wasn't going to give you a blaster, but you won't always be 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Ugh, so good, man. Yeah. Um, who the fuck does the grand inquisitor think he is talking to Darth Vader like that, by the way? Uh, I, I like that though. Yeah. Because it's the, basically it's the emperor. It's the, the, the voice of the emperor basically sitting on his shoulder, tapping him and be like, Hey, this, uh, you look like you're kind of losing it a little bit. Mm-hmm. You might want to rein it in. The emperor basically says the exact same thing on the back yeah. end. But uh, it's it's interesting hearing Vader kind of get checked a little bit from, I mean, clearly not a peer, but another high rank in the Empire. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think Rupert Friend as the Grand Inquisitor is real good. And like, I don't know. Once again, Man. See, the thing is, like, I don't know. Like, they, you he could show up somewhere else, like sort of, era appropriate as well you know we just know what happens to that character in right. star wars rebels he doesn't make it out of the first season but right. i thought he was real good as the grand inquisitor um was the makeup a tiny bit goofy yeah a tiny bit but it didn't matter in the long run i was about to say that that bothered me zero percent yeah i i literally thought about it not at all but i guess that's because i may have only seen that episode or episodes of rebels you know once a long time ago and like it was one of the first times that people were like pointing out something like that where it didn't bother me it wasn't like i was like oh this fucking sucks these stupid fucking star wars creator creators but i did look at it and go okay i can kind of see what you guys are talking about it looks a little goofy Mm -hmm. but then once we got into the show and he was fucking chewing up scenery and shit as the grand inquisitor it didn't bother me one fucking bit is he british is the actor british i believe so i don't know i'm not doing the british guys do imperial superiority very well Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Very well. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, the gentleman that plays Hux. Uh, I mean, fuck oh Tarkin, Grand yeah. Moff Tarkin, fucking General Hux. Yeah, is a good call too. Can't believe I blanked on his name, but um, Domal Gleason. Yeah, Domal Gleason. Why would I do that? Anyway, they are really good at playing Imperial officers. Mm-hmm. The one in Rise of Skywalker, he's good. Um. And then, um, oh, Richard E. Grant. What mm-hmm. is that character's name? Shit. Mm. I can't remember. Um, and then Grand when, Admiral, some, you know, or Superior Admiral. Something. The way it's cut with the Tatooine footage, like of Reva on Tatooine looking for Owen. And oh, it's tense. It is tense. The, 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 anxiety and momentum building up on that moment for Luke. Mm-hmm. And then fucking our dude steel. So like, you know, that scene where Owen and Luke are walking into, uh, the, the like speeder part shop or whatever, the O'Reilly's the auto zone, mm-hmm. um, steals in the background of that scene. 
Steel managed oh to get himself in a scene with fucking Luke Skywalker, his favorite Star Wars character of all time. Oh like, my goodness. Bro. It, I love this show and I am fully prepared to admit that there's definitely a fraction of my love for this show comes from the fact that a couple of my good buddies turned up in this show. Like that the experience right. of finding that out and seeing friends in a star Wars and not just any star Wars, like fucking top shelf star Wars. Mm-hmm. I, that's a singular experience that I don't think I'll ever forget, man. It's just so fucking cool. It is really fucking cool. Um, so, uh, one of the cool things about this show concerning Darth Vader and this episode specifically was that you've pretty much got to see Darth Vader own ass through the whole thing, five episodes. And then in this last one, you really get to see his brokenness, mm-hmm. his weakness, mm-hmm. his vulnerability, his failure to learn from his lessons. It really drives home like almost every flaw that Darth Vader has. The second he takes the bait and follows Obi-Wan instead of snuffing out the rebellion in its infancy, mm-hmm. you know, he shows he's not of sound. He's not making good decisions. He's not yeah. making at least tactical decisions. He's emotionally involved. And like, you know, I don't believe this is supposed to be the only piece of the rebellion that's out there working, but like you could draw a line from him not taking out that cell and those people to the eventual downfall of the empire, you know? Yeah. Leia would not have been on the blockade runner in episode four. Like she would have been dead and, you know, well, and, and I mean, just the domino effect. The Marvel mm-hmm. what if, you know? Right, exactly. <laughs> and then, like, so, obviously the big thing, the big boy, the big thing we're going to be talking about is the quote-unquote rematch of the century, which I think was aptly titled. I, like, I, to, I was going to say, to me, ended up being exactly that. Like, you know, sometimes, and, and it's never actually Lucasfilm that says this. It's always people that do, like, early reviews like you know that go to press screenings of movies or shows or something and like it became a bit of a meme and you don't see it as much anymore probably because it became a bit of a meme that people would be like it's the best star wars since empire strike back right Mm -hmm. and that's a tough bar to cross and then you know they come out and use in in official marketing language essentially say it's going to be the rematch of the century and holy moly like i thought that was uh well the perfect way to describe it like once again i you know i have this new star wars thing right where a new star wars comes out and i am just completely enamored with it like and and then you know as time goes on my opinion may go up it may go down a little bit right right now it's one of my favorite moments in star wars in all of star wars is this fight between obi-wan and vader like Mm -hmm. i thought it was so fucking cool man and like was it a little on the nose for him to be like are you going to kill me and he says um i'll do what what i must must. and he says then Mm -hmm. you will die like 
okay, maybe a little on the nose, but I don't give a fuck. I thought it was it's awesome. like, what else were they supposed to say? Yeah. You know, like it was pretty. And I, I mentioned this to you yesterday, I think, but the vulnerability in Vader's first words, you know, I was expecting Vader to be talking smack the whole time, but mm-hmm. he, his first words were, are you here to kill me? Like, oh man, like I was not expecting that. And, and like, <clears throat> the thing is, is, I think he can tell that this is not the same Obi-Wan that he encountered, you know, on uh, whatever that planet was when they had their first little rematch where he beat Obi-Wan, right? Like, mm-hmm. I think he can tell he's dealing with a... Was that Mapuzo? Mapuzo. Good call, buddy. I couldn't, I couldn't grab it. I couldn't grab it out of my mind grapes what the name of that place was. And then, like... The choreography was real fucking cool. Oh like my goodness. Like, so, you know, like the the course, the history of lightsaber fights from, you know, the very sort of stilted and simple lightsaber fight in A New Hope and then as the original trilogy comes, goes and then you get the prequels, which is so fucking flashy and choreographed and, mm-hmm. and stuff. And, you know, it's like Jedi at the peak of their power almost. And then you know, sort of a middle ground in the sequel trilogy and stuff like that. Like something that always I was a little worried about was if they had Obi-Wan and Vader fight, that it would feel like that they would be too tempted to make Vader fight more like sort of prequel style in a way Mm -hmm. that would not seem to fit the character, right? Like his physical capabilities. Exactly. Exactly. But to me, it felt right on. Like, like it felt, yeah. Yeah, it felt right on. It felt like he was using heavy power strokes. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what Vader was doing. And that's how he fought the whole time. Like, he wasn't using the finesse or the flourishes. And I feel like the choreographer must have sat down, the the lightsaber choreographer must have sat down and watched the entire prequel or all the fight scenes or something because I feel like I saw every single fancy Obi-Wan prequel era lightsaber move. Like, you know, there's this cool one where, you know, right when they go into the fight, he does this little spin Mm -hmm. in the, like, frontward spin. He does the the behind-the-back flourish for a block on Mm -hmm. one of them, like, it's sick. Some of them, he does, you know, the reverse grip block strike. Is a lot of cool shit he is doing with that lightsaber when he is confident and feeling himself and knows what he's got to do. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was really great to see Obi Wan's lightsaber combat and Ewan McGregor's physical performance of it uh, was really great. It, it didn't come off like Neo. It's not like this is easy. Like it's right. not like I'm making this look no. easy. It no. was very physical, very sweaty, very not not unathletic, but it, it wasn't gymnastic. You know, it wasn't choreography. It was he was rolling his ass around and jumping and, you know, like he was moving it. But you could see him sweating, you know, like, yeah, and not then, old man, but like, he, he, you know, like aged the look. I love Darth Vader. I think he is one of, if not the best villains in movie history. Like, I love Darth Vader. I love the character of Darth Vader, the design, such so on and so forth. But my heart lies with the good guys, right? And 
Right. I will never, never get tired of seeing Darth Vader get a little bit duty stomped. And he got duty stomped in this. Hawes, when those, when the mountain of rocks rose behind Obi-Wan oh my and he started annihilating him with like machine gun blows from the boulders, mm-hmm. I, my face, I was grinning ear to ear and I made a noise to where Liam was like, what are you watching? What are you, what are you laughing about? Um, I was like, oh damn. Like he was whooping his ass with them rocks. And like. I, I don't know that it was necessarily intentional, but like the first thing it made me think of when he had all those rocks behind him is when Ray levitated all the rocks in The Last Jedi, like to mm-hmm. save all her friends. You know, obviously two different approaches to levitating those that many rocks, but Right. And just and then they did it, man. We knew it was coming. We both said it, like they're not going to be able like mm. we've said all yeah. we settled all along the ride. They didn't get Hayden to just, you know, be in the suit because like peace and love Missed opportunity. Yeah. Peace and love. Hayden is not in that suit most of the time. Right. No, no. I was about to say like he is. Some I wasn't going to bring it up, but I guarantee it's, there was, you know, it's just like Pedro Pascal. Peace and love. Mm-hmm. Love me some Pedro Pascal. He and, He's in the suit when you see his face. And that's I, it. Tell you what, I don't think Pedro Pascal ever showed up on the set of the Book of Boba Fett for his Mandalorian episodes. He no, went, he no. went into the booth and recorded them lines, son. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, they did. We knew, like I, we were saying, like they're going to do a flashback or something. We got that. And then last week, I was saying I don't think they're going to be able to help themselves and do the thing where Vader's mask gets broken. What I after the machine gun rock blows, Obi Wan smashed on his saber and then busted his ventilator, and after well, that he was done. That's well, when he struck him in the face. Did you notice when Obi Wan was like striking at his chest piece, like his chest plate? After that, uh-huh. Vader started doing like the wheezy breath from the end of yep. Return of the Jedi. I thought that was yep. a slick little sound effect touch, but sure enough, they do it. They crack his helmet open. You see Hayden in the helmet. What I was not expecting was the shit that followed. The shit that followed right. was my kind of shit. Like the the idea to have his voice go in and out between Anakin and like the Vader modulation mm-hmm. right up my fucking alley. The lighting. Incredible. The like the how the lighting starts off red and then when um, Obi-Wan refers to him as Anakin and it sort of starts to go blue. And then as Anakin, you know, sort sort of starts wallowing in his hate again, and it goes back to red, like, wow. Mm-hmm. And like the concept that like Obi-Wan was fully going to the surface of this planet with the intent of either killing Darth Vader or dying trying. And here's the opportunity. Here's the opportunity spent, to do this. Has spent 10 years consumed physically and had his connection to the force diminished because of how much guilt mm-hmm. and sorrow he was feeling for basically leaving what he thought his brother was for death. Left yep. him for death. And then like when he sees him and he calls him Anakin... And like they have that dialogue and like the concept of him 
knowing that this person that he really cared about turned out to be a monster. And then he gets this brief glimpse of the person he thought he knew and like hoping that maybe he can get through to him. Mm -hmm. But it turns out that no, they're actually a monster. That is fucking tight, dude. That is powerful. I keep saying emotional weight, but like you said, the power of Obi-Wan's apology, you know, sorry for everything. You know, Obi-Wan was sorry for everything. He Mm -hmm. was just so sorry that everything had turned out this way of their fight, of what he did, you know. And And, uh, and Anakin saying, like, you didn't kill Anakin. I'm not your failure, Obi-Wan. Yeah. Bro, that is good. it was like you could feel the weight lift off of Obi-Wan mm-hmm. and yet feel the sadness at the exact same time. Right. It was the loss of his brother and friend his as best well friend. as yeah, best friend. And then not feeling like it was his fault so much, you know. And you know what I like about this series is like to me it just reinforces even more what a badass Luke is to be able to bring Anakin back towards the light, you know, mm-hmm. like, okay. Everyone thought he was irredeemable mm-hmm. and rightfully so for Obi-Wan with what he just witnessed, oh. you know, Obi-Wan, what it, you know, well, just, he watched a fucking VHS of him killing kids in the Jedi temple 10 years earlier. Well that, and I mean, he just, just now, like, you know, apologize to the man only to find that there was no soul left. Like, mm-hmm. Anakin is completely gone, you know. And he uh, calls you know, him it, Darth. What, right, calls him Darth. They encourage, Luke and Yoda encourage Luke to kill him. You know, they mm-hmm. think he's irredeemable. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Luke proves everyone wrong mm-hmm. in redeeming Anakin eventually. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, I... I I just come back again to the fact that Yoda and Ben both think he's irredeemable and are, you know, guiding Luke to kill him. Mm-hmm. I just think it makes like this series like walked a fine line where for me, at least it was successful in enhancing stuff that comes later that was pre-established, but not being, super on the nose about it like subtle things Uh, you know i was gonna say you know one of the things going into the series that i hoped for was that it wouldn't diminish anything in a new hope Mm -hmm. and i can effectively say for me personally it has only given weight to the things in new hope It, it this experience has made the final confrontation between vader and obi Wan on the death star it's so much more powerful mm-hmm. and it has made Obi-Wan's discussion with Luke in his abode before they take off, you know, even mm-hmm. more powerful. And, and yeah, this is the explanation, you know, you see that for the first time as a kid or whatever. And you're like, wow, I wonder what Anakin was like. I wonder what the clone wars were like. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I wonder what the relationship between Obi-Wan and Anakin was really like. Mm-hmm. Like the, this this episode, this series is the summation of it. It is the culmination of that relationship before 
you know, you don't see it again until A New Hope. Yeah. And that's the end of it. And, then, and, and just like, like, just to follow the timeline from like a Phantom Menace to Attack of the Clones to Revenge of the Sith to the clone, like, and include like the Clone Wars and all that too. And like how how awesome the clone war series is at like sort of reinforcing and propping up elements of the prequels mm-hmm. and then into this and then into the, uh, original trilogy, like real fucking cool, man. <clears throat> real mm-hmm. cool. I agree. And then, you know, I... the stuff on Tatooine with Baru and Owen. Oh man, dude. When, when Owen shows up on the farm and tells Baru what's up and he, and he's like, we're going to need help or well, he's like, and Ben is gone. And she's like, well, whose fault is that? And he's like, we're going to need help. And she's like, nah, I'm not risking anybody else. We just need the two of us. She says we're enough. And And Baru was the surprise badass. Like, I love that. I was like, go on, Baru. She's going to whip this bitch's ass. Let's go. (laughs) I was ready. Man, I, like, I thought Owen was so great, you know, in that first episode. And, you know, you knew you were going to get back to Tatooine. What I didn't expect was it to be like a last minute threat to Luke is what would get us back to Tatooine. I thought like, mm-hmm. you know, Obi-Wan would return back to Tatooine after a successful mission and, you know, go on to live his hermit life. But like, and, and I was like kind of bummed. I was like, we didn't really get any Baru in that first episode. She's barely in it. She's in the scene where he's watching Luke through the binoculars. Right. Mm-hmm. And then boy, did they turn that around? Like, yep. And it adds an element because end. like, you know, as a kid watching a new hope, uncle Owen just seemed like a fucking dickhead. My man, like Mm -hmm. not my favorite of the two. No, no. And then like, um, like the way you brought this up, like the way that they skirted Luke seeing a lightsaber, right? Mm -hmm. Like He's up the ladder before Reva comes in mm-hmm. the sealed garage or mm-hmm. whatever that little hangar area is. <clears throat> and then we were talking about it last week. There was one of two ways that uh, the story with Reva could, um, you know, sort of resolve itself, right? Either she she shows up in Obi-Wan or somebody has to kill her to protect Luke or she has your classic star Wars change of heart turn towards the good mm-hmm. side. Right. And they did the change towards the good side. And like, once again, it was one of those things that just made sense, not just from star uh, storytelling, but from like star Wars storytelling, right? Like mm-hmm. to have her, you know, have her on the verge of killing this kid and realizing like, I can't do this. I can't do to this kid. What was done to me and my friends was real fucking good. And Mm -hmm. then when Obi-Wan shows up and she walks up, Carrie and Luke and she's, you know, all upset talking about how she failed her friends. And he's like, no, you've finally allowed them to go to rest. Yeah. Peace. And to go to rest. You honored them. Uh, that's my Obi-Wan, man. Yeah. He's also talking about what he had to do. It know? is. He 
chose mercy, mm-hmm. just as she did. You well, know, and it's what set him at peace. And like, he chose mercy, just like in the lesson he taught Anakin in that flashback, the episode before. But you know what they didn't do? They didn't constantly cut to that and beat you over the head with it. Like, nope. They were just like you. you they showed you the lesson before in the episode before, and then they executed the lesson in the last episode. Uh, There was like, you know, like as much as you can say with this show that was like so heavily, you know, calling back so many elements of star Wars and stuff like that. And, you know, it had Leia and Luke and Bail Organa and fucking the emperor showed up for a little bit. We'll get to that in a second and ties in with animation and uh, video games and all this shit there were some elements of restraint that they showed <clears throat> that I was really impressed by. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't know if, if I was in charge of it, I don't know that I wouldn't have had it flashing back to that lesson. So I'd be like, come on guys. You remember that episode that before that you just watched last week? Mm-hmm. Remember that lesson? Okay. Two things that I wanted to mention that I forgot to just real quick was that Obi-Wan finding the strength to free himself from his rock prison Mm -hmm. by thinking about Luke and Leia in Mm -hmm. the future. Mm -hmm. Clutch, Clutch. amazing, awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Hayden's performance. Hayden's performance and delivery of the dialogue in that scene is fucking incredible. Mm -hmm. Like, all props to Hayden, man. Money, dude. He did the damn thing. Um, And then what I was not expecting, like, I'll be honest with you. I was like, oh, well, like it was real sweet that Leia uh, snuck Lola into Obi-Wan stuff because, you know, so he would have Lola with him. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, damn, how is she going to get that back? What I was not expecting, what I was not expecting was Obi-Wan showing up on Alderaan to see Leia and give her Lola back. Mm -hmm. And like... Bro. seeing little mini rebel princess was mm-hmm. great i and loved that like the lady that plays brea organa is so good and look we've given jimmy schmitz a lot of props as it is he deserves every prop in the world like he's great Dude, he's wonderful but the scene where he tells leia about her parents was too goddamn much, man. Like that's what made me cry. Whoa, that the, was it. The that per- was the moment where I actually shed tears. Like a couple of them hit me in the feels, but this one, where he tells, you know, he tells Leia the attributes that come from her mother and the the ones that come from her father. And you know, he said, "I wish I could tell you more." Like that shit caught me. And then the and way she says, the way she says, "It's okay," and then looks at Bale and Brea. Yeah. Wolf, buddy, I like the the dialogue between Obi Wan and Anakin got me first. Then this fucking wrecked mm-hmm. me, and I was like, okay, we're good now. And then we get Obi Wan wearing his fucking Star Wars Mythos statue outfit with the goggles and shit, mm-hmm. and he goes to the Lars homestead, and um, Owen is like, I thought you were gonna give us space, and he's like, I am. You're right. He just needs to be a boy. Um, you're all the protection he needs. He basically says he's going to back off. And then he turns around to leave and Owen's like, Hey Ben, you want to meet him? Here we go again. Here we go again. It's getting me messed up. Uh, Yeah. 
and the fact that he brought in the skyhopper mm-hmm. and he dropped the hello there 16 hello there if you're gonna use it that's the spot to use it. i agree i'm glad they saved it saved it in the can for the last minute i like that and then um we get vader on mustafar and the like i was so caught up in the idea of qui-gon showing at some point that i had totally forgotten about the possibility of the emperor so when he showed up it was a total surprise to me mm-hmm. me too ian mcdermie fucking i don't know if he was in the makeup or if they cg'd him up whatever it was it was perfect like ugh, it was so cool seeing the emperor seeing sheave <clears throat> and then of course the last scene of the show we see ghost qui-gon and look they could have gotten liam neeson a better beard like a better yeah. fake beard <laughs> It kind I guess of, they thought they'd fix it in post, but they didn't do enough fudging. <laughs> um, and like, I liked the scene. I like the character of Qui-Gon quite a bit. He's one of my favorite parts of the prequels. He's part of the reason I like Phantom Menace a little so much, but I might have could have done with maybe a slightly different direction for that. Oh, like, like it, it was... It was. Not, I was not disappointed. Me neither. I was glad to see him, and he said all he needed to say. Mm-hmm. I thought that that scene was going to be longer. Yeah. I thought that there was going to be, I don't know, another perhaps reunion. You know, uh, uh, I don't know, not emotional reunion, but a a more like there you are. You know. Well, but uh, I guess it was more like. It's about fucking time. Let's mm-hmm. go, asshole. Yeah. He's like, come on. We got a long way to go. And like, I, if I had to guess, probably Ghost Qui-Gon just got done doing a real fucked up interview for a movie he was promoting in the fucking Force Afterlife. So he's a busy man. <laughs> he was none too happy. Man, I love this series. Like, it, I expected I would because I love Obi-Wan, the character. You know, that's one of the things we sort of bonded on real early in our friendship is our love for the character of Obi-Wan, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, I love Ewan's portrayal of it. It was always, like, when people would shit on the prequels back in the day, I'd be like, man, they must be watching something else because fucking Obi-Wan is rad in those movies, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, to that's have true. him back has been so great. To have Hayden back has been so great to see them sort of get to see people's love for those movies that were shit on so hard for so long has been really great and like I just it's like peak fucking Star Wars experience for me and I know it's got its detractors and I know it wasn't you know everybody's cup of tea but for me nailed it nailed it like dude for me too like it's kind of the second I didn't ever think that would happen. So we got then, you know, initially we got more Star Wars movies and I was like, oh, that would never happen. But now that we got the new Star Wars movies, like, oh, they'll never do, you know, an Obi. They'll never tell that story about Obi-Wan Kenobi. And then they damn sure did. And here it is. And here we are. And it's fucking amazing. So I don't know what to expect now. Anytime I'm like, that could never happen. I was like, don't say that because it's fucking Star Wars. It could fucking happen. Like, it's just so fucking crazy to like of all time, like anytime you could be born and live 
I get to experience all this cool Star Wars shit, you know? And, like, there's so much more of it coming. And, you know, the day will come, right, when some particular Star Wars project isn't necessarily my cup of, key, cup of tea. But it ain't happened yet. It ain't happened yet. So, why don't we hear from some friends? Why don't you... Because I, I have a feeling the conversation will continue. Um, mm. about this episode. So let's get into that. Kia G. Kia G. Kia D. Cockhead. The only Jedi master who can crash box. Kia D. Cockhead. Running around slaying bitches with his cockhead. He's a big Surian stud. He loves to split chicks with his bud. Kia D. Cockhead to stroke his cone and suck on his balls. Kitty, cockhead, what you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge, but he'll be pumping spooge tomorrow. Cockhead, Lou Herb, cockhead, Hansberger, cockhead, Will Win, cockhead, Goose Paint, cockhead, G Money, cockhead, King Tom, cockhead. All right. If you want to send in an email or voicemail, blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. First up, you know him, you love him. He was our guest last week. It's the king of all Toms, King Tom Chansky. Hey there, Hawes and Will. Hope you guys are doing all right. Uh, Obi-Wan was fan-fucking-tastic. I can't say enough good things about that, and I I don't want to, you know, waste my voicemail time talking about how awesome the show is. Um, I did have two random questions regarding uh, Obi-Wan and Luke on Tatooine after the show ends. You know, we know now that, that Luke officially met Ben Kenobi, and in A New Hope... Uh, Owen tells Luke that Obi-Wan Kenobi died about the same time as your father and Luke's reaction was he knew my father so I was wondering like why in the world would he link like a guy who died around the same time as his father to knowing his father and the only thing I could think tell me if you think this is too crazy but that like Luke found some you know underground news or the true story of the Clone Wars when it mentioned you know, Jedi heroes Obi Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker and he put you know okay Anakin must be my father so this Kenobi guy who died around the same time as him was his best friend so they knew each other. A is that crazy? My second question is: Am I wrong in interpreting that that Obi Wan sold? The, the, the ship he had at the end, that he sold that for some, you know, brand spanking new clothes and that hut out in the mountains. Uh. Because that's, that's what I think, you know, happened. He made some money. And maybe it's a good thing that he sold it because if every, you know, if he hadn't sold it, if he, if he kept living in the cave and um, if he had that ship around the time Luke came to him with the droids, they would have, you know, left Tatooine a lot earlier, made it to Alderaan, just about the same time the Death Star got there. Um, so that's kind of weird, isn't it? But what do, you, what do you guys think? Anyway, I'm looking forward to what you, what you both have to say. And if you have a special guest, great. If not, great. Looking forward to what everyone has to th- think about Obi-Wan. 
thanks for the great podcast. I'll talk with you guys later. Okay. So I want to touch on Obi-Wan selling that ship. I think, I think that is what happened. Cause how else is Obi-Wan going to buy property, buy a house on a cliff and Tatooine? He had to come up with some credit somewhere. It wasn't from cutting meat at the meat plant. We saw that. They were yeah. He this- was living destitute. Mm-hmm. Um, I am so glad he upgraded digs too, by the way. Yeah. Good on my man to get out of the cave. He needed, he needed a home spot. Maybe, maybe, uh, Tika was his, uh, real estate agent. He was like, Hey man, I know this hut out in the jundlin wastes that you are gonna love. Um, so as far as, uh, King Tom's theory about, you know, Luke, finding some news feed or, you know, the true story of the Clone Wars and finding out about Anakin that way. Am I mistaken or doesn't Luke tell Obi-Wan that he thought his dad was a navigator on a spice freighter? Yeah, he said, my dad was a navigator on a spice freighter. And Obi-Wan says, that's what your father that's what your, that's what your uncle wants you to believe. Yeah, that's right. what your uncle wants you to believe. So I don't think that's the and, case. Now, I well, will... when he was talking about Ben, like he doesn't say that Obi Wan is Ben. Like, you know, he said he asked about Obi Wan Kenobi. He's like, oh, he died about the same time as your father, and he was like, ah, I was wondering if he meant old Ben Kenobi. And Owen's like, I told you, forget it. Well, he does say he knew my father, which I, even as a kid, thought that was a weird connection for Luke to make in A New Hope where he was like, uh, he died around the same time as your father. He knew my father? Like, no, <laughs> Owen didn't say anything about that. <laughs> like, yeah. I did think that, I've always thought that's kind of a weird connection for Luke to make in that moment. It would be like if I told you, like, um, I don't know, I can't think of a fucking good uh, analogy. My brain is fried at this point, so... We're just going to move on. I was going to try to come it up with some. Jump. It, is it is kind a of a jump. jump. Now that I think about it. All right. He died about the same time as your father. He knew, he knew him? my father? Yeah. I didn't say that. I said he died the same time. God, this kid. Jeez. Um, Making lying to you hard. I saw a funny tweet on uh, Twitter, obviously, today that was the picture of, you know, the two skeletons out front of the Lars homestead. Um, from when Luke shows up and they were like, by the way, that's not Owen and Baru. That's a, t- a couple of fucking stormtroopers that Owen and Baru fucking murked before they left the system. <laughs> I was like, that's pretty funny. That's pretty that's, fucking I like funny. That. I like that. All right. Next up, we got a voicemail from our buddy, Jim. Good evening, Hawes and Will. What a finale. I love this show. I think that, uh, a good representation of that is I'm not, I, go back and forth calling Darth Darth Vader and Anakin and the fact that I don't know what to call them just shows how well placed this is in the whole grand scheme of the whole saga uh, I really enjoyed it uh, as a whole I mean I'm very happy that we have it and uh, so one of the parts in the series that got to me was when Tala held up that um detonator and uh you know sacrificed herself i mean i I got glassy eyes i I teared up a little on that and i was like oh my gosh a thermal detonator just uh choked me up that's ridiculous you know 
but then I heard you guys were moved by the scene too, so that made me feel better. But with this episode, at the end, when Obi-Wan started to, to describe Leia's parents, oh. I fucking, I bawled my eyes out. I started crying, man. I was driving. I missed my exit. I was almost late to work. <laughs> but man, that was something. The line that uh, got me with Vader, that scene was beautiful. Uh, when he said, Anakin is gone, I am what remains. Oh, holy, chilled me to the bone. I loved it. Uh, but it brings me to my question, guys. What's the, the most emotional that you felt in one of in the star from a star wars uh flick um you know whether you were going through a hard time at the time or it was just uh, you know it moved you the first time you saw it uh what is the most uh, emotional kick that you've gotten from this uh saga all right gentlemen ignite the green oh my goodness so <clears throat> That is that is quite the question. I'll say, uh, if you if you want to talk about it being during a rough time, Obi Wan has been it. Obi Wan has been it in a big way. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, I don't know, man. Like, I will tell you this: the only emotional response or reaction I feel like I've had for Star Wars since, um, you know. This Obi-Wan, this has been my strongest emotional connection so far. I dig I dig the connection between Mandalorian and Grogu, but mm-hmm. not necessarily in the strength of the way Obi-Wan has. Uh, the only other moment that really ties it for me is the passing of Luke Skywalker. Like, when Luke Skywalker finally dies at the end of Last Jedi, like, for some reason that hit me really strongly. Like, so, I, I don't know, man. I get too invested in shit as it is, like... I can watch, you know, a clip from the finale of Lost and it'll get me all messed up. You know what I mean? I can hear, you know, a piece of music from Lost and it'll get me messed up. Uh, Star Wars is even worse in that regard where, like, yeah, Luke dying at the end of Last Jedi was real rough. Han in The Force Awakens, even though... Like, going into that movie, I was like, cranky-ass Harrison Ford ain't coming back for an entire trilogy. Yeah, that's <laughs> you know? the thing. But And that's why, I guess, Luke's hit me, because I was expecting him to be around for the third movie. But I remember it wasn't even necessarily when Leia died in The Rise of Skywalker. It's when they got back to the planet and they told Chewie, and Chewie had his reaction. Mm-hmm. Bro. That is dirty. <laughs> I remember turning to the person next to me and going, what the fuck? <laughs> it really got me. It really, really got me. There was a sadness to her lingering for her son. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. she was sticking around. Hoping that he would turn back to the light. And he and did. The, and and then, then her body finally you know, fully passed on to the and light. And then, like, I the remember, worst. you know, in going to see Revenge of the Sith for the first time when, uh, you know, the the posse of Jedi are going to confront Palpatine and uh, uh, Anakin's in the Jedi Temple looking out across the skyline and Padme's on the other side of Coruscant 
looking past the sideline, uh, the skyline. Like I think that's some pretty powerful shit that I remember getting me back in the day. I don't know, man. It, I'm a, the wrong one to ask. I'm the wrong one to ask because it all gets me. It all gets me. All right. I mean, I like the fact that like I feel Obi Wan is kind of undefeated. Like I know Vader, you know, licked hey. him that one time when he was half powered, but not really. Obi Wan's kind of undefeated against Vader, even in the New Hope. Obi Wan. That's what I'm saying. He sacrifices himself. He's so much more powerful than Vader. Mm-hmm. He knows Vader can't beat him, and he just needs to delay well, long enough for his kids to get out of there. I don't know that Obi Wan thinks he can beat Vader in A New Hope because if he really, I really don't. Because if he did, I think he would have at that point. Well, he didn't land a single hit. Vader, I mean. You know, yeah, Obi Wan yeah. wouldn't see. This is the thing, though. You can't. I, I, you I can't know. hold the I choreography know. of um, a New Hope. You know, uh, side know by side with the story. Oranges. You know. <clears throat> All right. Next up, we got a voicemail from Neil. What's up, Buzz and Will, and uh, whoever the guest is. I'm assuming there probably will be one since we're talking about a Star Wars show finale. But uh, oh man, I. Uh, the Obi-Wan finale is definitely one of my favorite things Star Wars has ever done. Um, I, I think that the show has hit such the right mix of blending a lot of different ideas within Star Wars, but still um, being put forward as a very palatable and understandable story within uh, the Star Wars universe. After rewatching that a couple of times, just a couple of things like um, that I picked up on that I thought were really cool. Uh, I think the part where uh, he no longer calls Anakin Anakin and just calls him Darth at the end uh, of their confrontation is a definitive step toward their relationship in A New Hope. Um, you know, especially the part where only an agent of evil Darth. You know that part. So it definitely shows how he progressed from. Uh, Anakin to, you know, recognizing that that part of that being is definitely gone. Um, the other part I really liked was when he said hello there at the end to Luke. I mean, everyone was waiting for that moment. But I, I really feel like I've listened to it a couple of times. Like, I'm not sure, but it sounds like they really blended um, all of, like blended his voice uh, along with Alec Guinness's to create that. I could be wrong, but it sounds a lot like Alec Guinness in that moment. Um, so I thought that was really great. And finally, you know, having Qui-Gon appear and then be sassy as hell to Obi-Wan uh, is awesome. I, I think that this show... Uh, is the best thing that Disney has done since they acquired the IP. I, I said that same thing to the Sipless boys, um, and I definitely stand by it. Hope you guys are having an amazing week. Thanks for the good podcast, as always, and have a great weekend. Man. Uh, I wonder, like, you know, I'll be completely honest with you, buddy. Because of the new job and working seven days a week, I do not have nearly as much time to dick around on social media as I have in the past, you know? Mm-hmm. So I have been kind of, for the most part, blissfully unaware of the hot takes for this series. Like, obviously, right. I knew 
the shithead sort of racist takes that were coming out early on because of the ca- character of Riva. Unfortunately, that's easy to predict because those assholes are easy to predict, you know? They are. <clears throat> um, uh, so, you know, besides that, I haven't really, you know, besides listening to all of our friends' shows and stuff and hearing their takes on it, I, mm-hmm. I don't know what the wider quote-unquote fucking discourse, I'm so tired of that fucking word, about this show is. I have to imagine just knowing Star Wars fandom as I do, that there was probably two camps, right? The camp that really wanted Obi-Wan to say hello there at some point, and the camp that were like, don't fucking do it, man. (laughs) So I wonder if the application of that moment changed anybody's mind, you know, because I don't think so. I think some, I think people are just trying to shoot holes in the plot, you know, with a shotgun and, Oh, I don't care about that. They feel like they're just generally unhappy with the writing and the direction of the story. To me that, that doesn't fly because yeah. Okay. If, if, if they're right, then I have bad taste and I don't feel like I have bad buddy. I, 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 I think I might, you know what I mean? Like it's so much of shit that I really enjoy gets shit on so hard sometimes that there's been times where I was like, maybe I just suck at liking stuff. I don't know because like, you know, I, I love the case. I love mass effect three. The ending of that got shit on pretty hard. I love lost that got shit on pretty hard. I love the star Wars I mean, prequels. Dookie on three things that internet trolls are famous for shitting on. I know. Fairly. But, you know, regardless, it also doesn't matter to me because I watch this stuff or play this just, stuff and it makes me happy. That's, that's the silver bullet to all of this is you do what makes you happy. And everyone that's out there bitching, there is the ability to shut off the TV or change the channel or program to something that you do enjoy. So if you're not enjoying something, I would encourage you to watch something else and enjoy what you're watching. I don't understand the mentality of like shitting on people's good time. If people's good time is watching star Wars and enjoying it, you know, Mm -hmm. let them do it. If people's good time is, you know, being assholes, then okay. Yeah. Then do something, then say something. But like, I don't know, man, regardless of that, I, there is one thing I did want to bring up that I thought was the tiniest bit silly, uh, in the finale. And it doesn't matter. Like, I still really like the scene and seeing the character. But I did think it was the tiniest bit silly that, like, Palpatine only shows up to be like, hey, man, don't worry about going to look for Obi-Wan anywhere because we need to watch. We need to wrap this story up and uh, transition this shit to A New Hope (laughs) as smoothly as possible. You know? Yeah. I mean, I did, like, you know, was that a perfectly acceptable way to to accomplish that in the story absolutely i just thought it was the tiniest bit silly yeah it was interesting that palpatine just showed up to be like you all right seemed like you're tripping dog (laughs) you all right um got your mind in the right spot so we got one email and then we'll call it a night this is from jess i love that in this show luke was a wuss and leia was a badass makes luke more relatable and leia more badass the performance by moses ingram in this episode was phenomenal 
The scene with her in tears was genuinely, genuinely some of the best acting I've seen in any Star Wars to date. I really want the best for her character moving forward. So I'm sure you've discussed it in the first half, but how do you guys feel about a season two now? I don't know. Like, I would love to see Reva show up somewhere else. I would love to see Rock, Roken, and Haja show up somewhere else. You know, I'm always down for some more Bale and Brea Organa, maybe even little Leia. I feel like Luke needs to chill. Like, because Luke... Luke, the Luke you meet in A New Hope has clearly not seen a lot of adventure in his life. That's part of the At whole the story. first offer and opportunity for adventure, he demurs, sheepishly demurs and turns it down. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I, it's something I have to wrap my head around. I'll say this. I think would be surprised if it doesn't happen at this point. Obi-Wan has performed really well for them. Ewan says he wants to tell more stories. Hayden wants to tell more stories. Deborah Chow has said like, oh, we can, you know, we conceived of this as just this story with a beginning, middle, and end. But if we find another story to tell, we'll tell it. It's going to happen. I, it's just up to more creative fucking smart people than me to come up with what that story is like mm -hmm. the analogy I used with you on the phone last night when we were talking was, I don't think it can be Obi-Wan invader fighting again. Right? No, that's done. How many times can they run into each other before a new hope? Like it needs to be at least a little while since they've seen each other in a new hope. Okay. So you can't do Vader. Who are you going to do realistically? What protagonist stands equally as intimidating, carries as much story weight as Darth Vader? Like, that's the tough thing for is, me to crack. Is Thrawn around in these times? Probably, but but that's what is what is a Thrawn versus Obi Wan? Like, and the other thing is, if Thra if Obi Wan is in Thrawn's is on Thrawn's radar. He's on the Empire's radar. And if he's on the Empire's radar, Darth Vader's a coming, right? So like, True. it's it's almost like uh, what I told you last night. It's like if you went to see Leonard Skinner, they opened with Freebird and then half the audience, like half the arena cleared out because they just heard mm -hmm. the one song they came to see. Not that that's the only thing people, you know, came to Obi-Wan to see and not that, you know, there isn't a cool story to tell. I just don't know what it is. That is up to more creative, smart people than me. Because on paper, the plot of Obi-Wan, the show we just finished, if you told me three years ago, you know, Obi-Wan leaves Tatooine to save little Leia, and he and little Leia bond, and then he and Darth Vader fight a couple of times, and so on and so forth, I don't know how stoked I would have been on the idea, Right? just because I was so set in my ways of what I thought Obi-Wan got up up to between those movies. But in the execution, fucking solid. And I love it. So I'll give it a chance. I, I'll i be interested to see what they come up with. I just think it's tough. And I can't crack it myself. Yeah, um, I agree. I don't know what they're going to do, but... I'm excited to see what it is. I, I do agree with the fact that Leia is more badass at this point and will maintain the fact that Leia is probably more badass 
period. Maybe up until Empire of Strikes Back, you know. I like, don't, I don't maybe even period, but like I think period. Like Luke is I mean, awesome. But like Right. He's <laughs> I love Luke. When we meet him, he's a naive farm boy. Mm-hmm. When we meet Leia, she is a dip- a senator a, and a leader in the rebel army. She is smart-mouthing Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. And the second she gets freed from a prison cell, she starts blasting her way towards the exit because yeah. nobody else has got a plan. Like, Leia, definitely more badass. And see, the thing is, is like, Luke is always heroic. Like, in A New Hope in Empire... To me, mm-hmm. badass Luke is Luke when he shows up on Jabba's front door. Like that right, is exactly that is when badass Luke shows up, and exactly he is badass in Return of the Jedi. It's just in a much Agreed. different way. Leia, though, but not until then. Le- I, I don't know. Like, what is what is badass? You know what I mean? Like, Luke uh, does plenty of badass shit, but he's it's it's yeah. different. Like, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like Luke doesn't really come into his badassness until Return of the Jedi, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I mean, it's he's in the title still of the movie. Of, true. I mean, he's still kind of being trained, and he's still kind of getting the hang of it. Like mm-hmm. Leia is a badass from the get. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. she doesn't really have to grow. She's a badass. Like and, her relationship with Luke and Han grow, but mm-hmm. and just continues to be a badass. So right. All right, buddy. Well, I think that does it for us this week. Thanks for recording with me. Hey, dude. Thanks for having me on. You know I love doing it. So you are going to be at the beach next week. Will. I will be at the Alabama shoreline. No, Will, next week we'll have a guest of some sort, I'm sure. Um, Who knows? We got, mm, I don't know, 60-something days until Andor, so... Just hope there's some news over the next <laughs> two months of news desert. I don't think so. I think there'll be stuff you don't to talk think about. So? There's all I can always scrape the bottom of the barrel and find something, my dude. The marketing and/or run-up should happen soon, right? Uh, not soon, but probably you know, a month to three weeks out from and/or. There will be and/or stuff. We'll get another trailer before then for sure. So that'll be neat. Yeah, it will. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. That so, show's going to kick ass. I think so, too. Um, so, uh, make sure to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It helps us out. If you enjoy uh, the theme song, please be sure to check out the band that was kind enough to provide the music. They're Stoned Cobra. And you can find them on iTunes, Spotify, and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. And if you like video games, well, I've got something for you. That's the High Potion podcast that I do with our buddy Steve. And, uh, yeah, I can't believe Obi-Wan's over already. Mm. Um, We'll see what next next week brings. Until then, this has been Blue Harvest, and I'm Halls Burkhart. And I'm Will Witten. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with all of you. May the Force be with us.